Welcome, everybody, to episode 188 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which, of course, this week, well, not of course this week, is a Metabilis <laughs> 2 plus 1 podcast featuring myself, Ben, and the regular David. I'm David. And then also... <laughs> Brian, hello. Hey, Brian's back. <laughs> Welcome back, Brian. Good to see you guys again. Yeah. So you have teased us on Twitter that you have some things to say on Ravengers. Such a and tease. we just finished up. This is our concluding with food fight here. So I thought, it, well, let's get Brian back on and let's hear what he has to say. Ah, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but before I ask, Ben, part three, did Nick Briggs stick the landing? Do you have a satisfactory conclusion with Audrey? Yeah, I, I thought it wrapped up pretty well, actually. It was way too timey-wimey for me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think we talked about this last week, but I prefer my timey-wiminess to be less Moffat-esque. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. As soon as someone says, I've met you, you've met me before I met you backwards. Or it's out of it sequence. Was, it's like, what? <laughs> right. Can you say again? And then I have to stop it. And then, okay, so that means this and that. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's that that kind of puts me off, to be honest. And I know, you know, Doctor doesn't live his life in a linear fashion. Yeah, we all know that all her life. But I do actually. So, <laughs> and you think linear? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm quite a I'm quite an unimaginative and linear person. I'm not a philosopher. But that that being said, I thought it wrapped up pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Satisfactory? Yeah. I had to go back and listen a second time to figure out how it all worked out because I didn't put two and two together that the Eccleston time ghost was caused by the Eddie at the end. And that's how he was uh, communicating, nipping in and out. Uh, I, I didn't get that on the first listen to, and, I, and at least that's my interpretation. How, how do you think that time ghost stuff was going, guys? I was... <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, where to begin? Um, first of all, I mean, I, I know you guys have covered the other yeah. Uh, yeah, two no. already, but just kind of like a, an overall it. thought. Yeah. Um, I do want to say I really appreciated Big Finish and Nick Briggs trying something different with the Ninth Doctor. Uh, mm -hmm. There was um, a whole bunch of sort of pre-launch interviews and there was some stuff in DWM and he was talking about how his 13 episodes on television for him stand on their own. And he wasn't yeah. particularly interested in kind of going back to that. Um, he wanted to try something new mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, what a way to do it and not pretend it's a Saturday night in 2005, but right. let's go big and let's try kind of an epic adventure and extended uh, almost mini movie, you know, in a way. Uh, and had the Ninth Doctor on Alien Worlds, and as you were saying, like lots of cool timey-wimey stuff. And Christopher Eccleston, I mean, you don't need me to say, like was incredible. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, yeah, su yeah, he's yeah. such an amazing presence on audio, and just yeah. I loved how he found that voice again and mm -hmm. threw him really threw himself into it. And I think in a lot of cases for me, or a lot of points throughout listening, really elevated the material because thinking <laughs> back to Doctor Who in 2005 and the way it was pitched, it had to win over a new audience. And mm, if you look right. at those episodes, you could summarize them very easily, right? The first episode is an everyday shop girl gets pulled into the doctor's world. Right. And then the next episode is, oh, you know, Agatha Christie with aliens with the earth ending in the background mm -hmm. or Charles Dickens versus zombies. And you can go right. on and on. It's right. like a very clear. This had stuff about 
virtual reality and indentured servitude mm-hmm. and stuff in you know with romans showing up you know in, in london in the 50s and it got a little which is all great through throwing all these cool ideas at it but it got a little convoluted for me as it went on and the timey-wimey stuff and so i'm so fascinated when you uh, said ben that you know this wrapped up really nicely for you because for me um i listened to it when it came out um spread over a couple days mm. and like a day after i heard food fight I could not tell you how the doctor and Nova <laughs> saved the day. Like, I don't really, I was like, what? Right. They did. And it was great, I guess. And so I re-listened to it before this conversation. So I just finished Food Fight again uh, yesterday. And I had to go back and write it down. And <laughs> would you mind if I just read it? Yeah, no, what I wrote down. And, you, and, and, I appreciate and that. tell me if this makes sense. Because I went in, don't get me wrong, like, I went in with like a really like super excited and open mind and just, really keen to to like it and i just i got stuck on it you know and i've been listening to big finish for over 20 years this one was really kind of tricky so let me oh. let me see if i can find my notes all right so tell me if i have like the whole kind of story right okay so audrey finds a piece of gallifreyan technology right the node yep and it messed things up somehow with mysterious aliens that she calls ravagers who have been viciously destroying worlds off screen and i don't think we actually ever see this she uses the node to create time eddies to displace people into scenarios that she then adapts into video games so that the players can experience the same fear which is then channeled into somehow protecting the rest of the universe from the ravagers because they enjoy fear which they call the sweetness. <laughs> yeah. But the doctor somehow figures out that the Ravagers prefer their own fear to that of the players. And I wasn't sure how that we got was a that leap. From... Yeah. Yeah. They, it was a very brief conversation, right? So mm. the doctor who is worried about crossing his own timeline in episode two, mm-hmm. uh, Cataclysm, now just kind of goes ahead and resets the entire timeline, mm-hmm. erases the events of episode one and two by mm-hmm. reprogramming. The, the sort of matrix robots that want or they Brain wanted to drones right right yeah. they wanted to kind of grind nova up into a power source right so he reprograms them to eat the time particles and goes back to change his original meeting with nova who somehow buys into the fact that they had all these adventures in mm-hmm. an alternate timeline because she likes science fiction, which is why she likes she Doctor rolled, Who effectively. Yeah, right. Which is why she like rolled along with this entire adventure in the first place, which mm-hmm. I think was supposed to be a mystery, but never felt like one. And then I don't know why he had him do this, but then the ninth doctor like slurps a drink really loudly <laughs> into the microphone. And he has this new kind of characterization for this story where he laughs really loudly and kind of exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that was it. Mm-hmm. That does it for me. Yeah, it's good summary. Okay, kind so of. I, <laughs> so, but that, like I said, like I had to take notes, like to make sure I, I got all of that. You know, so. it, it's kind of a hand wave with the end, and I think the biggest leap was he has the TARDIS key and this Gallifreyan node that's running out of power. He's face to face with a Ravenger played by Claire Corbett. And it all of a sudden re-materializes himself back in the TARDIS. That, to me, was the 
biggest leap. I could accept the time eddies and everyone being sucked back through time and stuff, but that that somehow sonicking the drone, getting enough power, combined with the TARDIS key, would suck the doctor back in the TARDIS. So that to me was the biggest leap. I could still kind of get how being he was sucked into the time medic when he shoved Audrey out of the way and he took the time medic bullet for her and now he's the force ghost effectively time ghost through time haunting Audrey and then everything else is Doctor Who magic basically reprogramming the drones uh, the drones eating the time particles it's all fantasy sci-fi fantasy uh, scenario so of course it will make sense but I think that one leap of how did he get from inside the Ravengers neutron star into the TARDIS that that one is the the horse pill you have to swallow in order for the whole thing to make sense (laughs) yeah when I say I thought it wrapped up nicely the way that I kind of listen to this kind of story is I just kind of let it wash over me Mm -hmm. so for me and this is just me what I enjoy is I enjoy the performances. I enjoy listening to Christopher Eccleston. I enjoy um, I enjoy everyone's performances. And one sort of enjoys the, I don't know, the action. Mm-hmm. And what wrapped it up nicely for me, really, is not, um, oh, hang on, does this make sense? Because at various, various points, I say to myself, I don't really understand what's going on at this point. Um, but I am, <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying it because, you know, right. stuff is happening. Bam, 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 bam. Pop, 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 pop. What wrapped it up well for me was, we talked about this last week with David. I'd sort of expected in some ways that we wouldn't see any more of Nova. And I actually really started to enjoy Nova as a character and the performance of, I'm not going to remember her name, um, the actor uh, yeah, who... Camilla, Camilla B. Put. Um, they'd established an interesting relationship. Yeah, she was great. But I mean, it's kind of like an Izzy Sinclair relationship a little bit from the comic strip. You know, this is this is a working class sci-fi fan from the future rather than from our current time. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Professor X and is going to be traveling with the Doctor for a bit, which is great. So, I mean, that that's what I mean when it wrapped up. I mean, in terms of like what the hell happened... <laughs> you know there's a there's a slight law of diminishing returns with these big finish kind of big stories where the universe is in danger right um yeah. and i actually for my own personal preference i prefer big finishes big finish well any story actually really where the universe isn't in danger um where the stakes are way lower and i actually find characters especially the doctor and companions, I find it all works a lot better when there is something small to do, smallish to do, a planet to save rather than a universe to save. The universe is too big and it doesn't really make sense to me. So where I say, you know, it wrapped up well is that, is it came small at the end mm-hmm. and the Doctor has a new companion um, and it's a new companion who I like because mm-hmm. um, it's all about it's all about me really I'm, I'm the only person listening to this you are their um, target audience i am the target i am the target audience in the singular uh and that felt good and he's such a likable performer mm, yeah and i'm you know brian as you were talking i was thinking okay yes let's compare in my mind to you know other doctors 
And uh, again, with, with all three, I think three of us are big enough fans to know that the kind of which is the best doctor conversation is nonsense because they're all great and they're all great in their own different ways. Um, it's so much fun to listen to Christopher Eccleston. He's mm. such a good yeah. performer. His voice is so good. The way that he conveys emotion and character is so expert and accurate. You know, he's a really, really good actor. And I'm not saying that, you know, other doctors aren't good actors because they are. Um, he is a very, very particularly charismatic individual, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, I think that's what I mean. I mean, when, when we're talking about kind of plot, I'm glad you wrote it down, Brian. I wouldn't have had the, <laughs> the brain power to, to actually write that down. I think it's interesting that you thought this was Nova's best story. And and I think how we were saying last time that she seemed kind of a cliche, a a hybrid between Ace and Bill. If she is a big sci-fi nerd, and if she watched a lot of Doctor Who, which I think Professor X is meant to be Doctor Who, uh, maybe she watched Ace and Bill, and this is how a person like me would behave when I'm time traveling. So in a way that she's kind of taking on this role and a companion and, and be, this is how the companion is because a lot of the conversations seem kind of clunky and awkward, but it seemed also very reminiscent of some of the conversations that Ace had with the McCoy doctor. Well, professor X is from the Virgin new adventures, right? You would, you would be the expert on it. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is. No, Professor X, it's, you know, it's one of those new adventure things that kind of pops up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Brian, I don't know whether you know more about Virgin New Adventures. The, no, I'm funny. The, uh, the Professor X reference I knew was from Sympathy for the Devil, the Unbound story with uh, David Warner. Oh, is Professor because, X in that as well? Yeah, well, those guys, um, the... Uh, two characters in the beginning roll into the brigadier's pub and they wanted the television turned to professor x because it's <laughs> professor x night <laughs> even though it's the night before the handover <laughs> like it's, we got to watch professor x <laughs> everyone's got to watch professor x yep um so i'm just googling professor x and it's just bringing up x-men so that's not going to be i'm going <laughs> to have to do better googling than that to find out. but i'm i'm pretty sure it's it's a paul it's a paul cornell it's a it's a something from the virgin new adventures mm-hmm. yeah. oh so they can afford professor x from paul cornell but they can't afford the reapers <laughs> or the vortasaurs right yeah where are the reapers come on man those reapers would have been all over this I, I, that's, that, that's my main gripe, actually, because the Reapers are a Ninth Doctor thing. Right. And they don't appear anywhere else. Okay, well, yeah, that's because they, they kind of wreck most Doctor Who stories if they appear on, <laughs> on, regu- on a regular basis. But they did definitely appear in the Ninth Doctor's tenure. So one might expect maybe, you know, they're locked onto the Ninth Doctor in some sort of way. Anyway, so I was disappointed, but I guess... I was expecting them to appear. Well, you can always say the the Ravagers destroyed them they before the, them. and then they got reset. They were yeah, ravaged. they were ravaged. The Ravagers ravaged the Reapers. <laughs> they were reset. The Reapers ravaged the, the Reapers the... ravaged pre-reset. Yeah. What do you think of every actor who had a character that had a speaking role? Pretty much survived in this story. The two mm-hmm. British officers, Audrey, 
and Nova, they all made it out. And the, ro- the oh, soldier. And, uh, and, then, and yeah, the Santarin yeah, soldier. The Santarin. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Or, or, <laughs> he did. At some point, it was like, oh, yeah, come on, this is Strax. Uh, the Roman soldier. Yes. Roman soldier, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny. I didn't know yeah. that was Dan Starkey. So I, oh, really? okay. I didn't make the connection. Uh-huh. So I totally bought into it. So I was actually surprised at the end uh, when they read his name on the credits. Mm. So I felt early on it was Strax. I, I didn't realize it was Dan Starkey <laughs> either until I listened to the kind of the hour long special features thing. Uh-huh. But I remember listening to it and they're like, that's, that's a Sontaran. <laughs> that's what they're doing there. And, and of course it is because it's Dan Starkey. It became very obvious. Well, it, it seemed very Santaran to me in a food fight where mm-hmm. he, with the, was it blows or pummels or whatever expression he's doing right. we couldn't do killing but can we rough him up a little bit is that acceptable that that seemed very strax specifically strax i guess uh how did audrey go for you sorry i'm, I'm looking up professor um uh, uh, great yes um yeah i i guess I, I i thought she was going to be a good become good in the end Mm-hmm. Um, the actor was was great. Can't remember her name either. She's a Scots lady who does a great English accent. She was phenomenal. I thought she was such yeah, she a was fantastic strong presence and really, really held her own against uh, Eccleston's doctor. I thought you know like, it was really intimidating, and you know they'd kind of done that trick before. I don't know if you remember if you heard mm. like uh, Seasons of Fear. Speaking of Paul Cornell, like Sebastian Grail, that was a character. It was an eighth doctor story who was further ahead in the timeline. So knew everything about the doctor and was kind of holding that over him and intimidating, intimidating him with knowledge of the future. Um, so that, that was a great, that made for a great dynamic between the two where she, she was holding the cards and he was trying to catch up. Yeah. I thought Jane McKenna was probably the standout star in this next to Eccleston. Without her acting chops, this would not have worked. And the subtlety of her performances at different stages in Audrey's life, I think really helped sell the timey-wiminess of it and was convincing. Like you said earlier, Brian, how Eccleston really transformed and elevated the story. I think McKenna also stepped it up beyond what Briggs had written on the page. She really put a lot of, I just could really feel her exasperation saying she really needed help. She knew things weren't working out well. She knew the doctor probably could help, but he kept coming in at the wrong sequence. And that's really, it wasn't so much her mistakes. Yeah. Okay. She enslaved this population, which is bad and that's what the doctor initially was trying to solve he was just not perceptive enough or not clued in enough and realized that she was doing this for a reason it was to keep keep these uh adrenaline junkies going effectively so i i think without the strength of her acting eccleston couldn't have carried the story solely on his own and it was that pairing between audrey and uh, the Ninth Doctor that really sold the narrative, I think. What what else has she been in? Do we know? This is the only thing in for Big Finish that she's been in, and I'm not up with British television. She was saying she's saying she does voiceovers and stuff a lot. Um, they need to get her back as an actor. I think. I mean, she's mm-hmm. really very good. I can tell you the one one gripe I had, the thing that kept grating on me, was. As the TARDIS is in flight in episode three, the sound design just kept having the dematerialization, rematerialization 
noise as the TARDIS in flight. So the the, the kind of groaning. And it yeah. just grated on me. It's sort of like, this this is wrong. <laughs> and it and it was persistent. And it right. sound design, it bothered me. Hmm. That's interesting. I did I did notice that. And it had been a while since I'd watched Eccleston's episodes. And I don't really remember too many scenes well i mean it's mm-hmm. been like i said it's been a while so thinking about scenes in the tardis where there wasn't some kind of right. background music or anything where it was just that that ambient noise um, maybe it is yeah so i don't i don't know if that was accurate and it's just maybe it was accurate it's been a while since we heard it but it um, didn't seem right to me and coming from classic doctor who perspective that's not the sound that would have been while the tardis is in flight right maybe the time eddies means it's materializing and dematerializing all the time Always has the brakes on. Yeah, always have the brakes on. <laughs> Need to let the brakes off. Um, the uh, the ravagers seem very toclophany to me. Mm. The baby voice, mm-hmm. right? They're like squeaky yeah. children's voices, and they were unreasonable in some way. Um, and also, there are a lot of them, and they came from somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere kind of undefined. Um, so that that was an interesting kind of resonance for me, and and in some ways, I was thinking like. They should just have toctophaned those. Um, though I suppose the toctophane don't exist anymore, do they? Did they get reset in some way? Can't remember. Anyway, they they seriously were reminding me of that. Yeah, there were. I mean, that's a thing too, right? There were a number of sort of remixed ideas throughout this set. So even the beginning with the Romans in London, that's very... Or the, the t- uh, Soviet tanks in, at Waterloo. Um, right. That could be war games or time meddler type shenanigans, you know, and taking advantage of displaced energy, you know, I know that's like a weeping angels type concept. And even, right, even the, right. um, <laughs> the ghostly doctor observing a female scientist for years, hmm. that's from, I don't know if you ever heard the unit dominion box set. No. Um, no. that was their sort of first, it was the, uh, seventh doctor and rain. Okay. And it was like a big, it was, I think it was their first like that and like Dark Eyes were their first kind of attempts at sort of big box set storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it brings back the character Klein from the story Colditz and there was like a little Colditz, trilogy. Okay. With, yeah, so she at the, you know, she's now working for Unit as a sort of reformed timeline reset character. And so the doctor, seventh doctor has been observing her for years. Huh. And it's a very unnerving image and she's vaguely aware of him. And is unsettled by it. So that, and that was a, uh, Nick Briggs had co-written that story. Oh, Jason. So it's like, that was a night, like, so there were like bits and pieces coming. And I thought of the Toclophane as well, for sure. So it's like, hmm, okay. So, and, you're, you're, and you're right about the war games. I mean, taking people out of time and putting them somewhere else and making them do things that will then produce a result that you need is, mm-hmm. that's a war gamey, that's a war games thing, isn't it, really? I think it's pretty obvious in that Big Finish didn't have Ninth Doctor stories on the shelf ready ready to go with that. I think that this might have been a mad scramble all of the Eighth Doctor. He said, yes, now what do we do? Do you oh, interesting. get any of that sense of that? Um, don't know. I do know from the interviews that Eccleston had read the first like 20 pages of the script and that convinced him to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, again, I'm going to keep on saying this because I'm proud. <laughs> I was at the the Gallifrey One convention. Oh, where that all um, went down. In, uh, yeah. 
in mid-February when it all went down. So, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea how long it takes to write something. I have no idea how long it takes to act something. I have no idea how long how long it takes to produce a big finish audio. But I, I mean, you might be right, David. I mean, if they can, if he said mm-hmm. yes, you know, on February the fourteenth, twenty twenty, and then they release this beginning of twenty twenty one, and they also had to sort it out during the pandemic. Um, yeah, maybe they were. Maybe Nick Briggs was like, "Okay, come on, um, right? Think, let's think. um, <laughs> think, think. Come on, come on, Nick. Come on, come on. Think of something." Um, again, listening to the to the Vam on it at the end, this is going to be the only three parter. This is going to be the only three hour hmm. currently. The next stories are going to be out, just simple hour long stories. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that's the the next batch of stories is going to be like that. From yeah, the, from one the and done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what a great title for the overall series to uh, respond to all calls. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect for him. D- is there any indication that Camilla B puts back as Nova? Because it's kind of left ambiguous to me if whether the Doctor is just going to take her on that next adventure, drop her off on someplace nice thing, or if she's the reoccurring companion now for these adventures. Seem to me, I seem to to understand that she's going to be coming back, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Oh, I I don't know either way. Oh, okay. I think they're also. I would imagine. I can't say for sure, but I would imagine they'd want to tread very carefully with that sort of thing. That they're not looking to sort of not. What's the right word? Like overwrite Billy Piper. You know, her mm-hmm. status is the first true capital C companion true, for true, for true. that that version of the Doctor. Yeah. What did you What did you make of his demeanor? seeing as this is supposed to be set before that episode rose before series one because it's it's really like upbeat and high energy and kind of on in a lot of places yeah i think the theory that we had that the cost would be higher for the resolution what ben and i were thinking last week and that it would be increasingly depressing outcomes that would really put him in a very morose state by the time he put him in a bad mood um encounters rose but that definitely isn't the case and he seems to be relatively enjoying his life uh he's really getting into that charganzi at the end (laughs) slurping and (laughs) did you hear that's like another like nick briggs thing i think like did you listen to um, the first uh, War Doctor audio they did? No, mm. I haven't heard that. Oh, okay. They gave it away. You might still be able to get it. They had given it away during as one of their you know lockdown loads right. uh, mm-hmm. last year, <laughs> and it's it's just big and epic. Like what you want to hear from you know the Time War mm-hmm. War Doctor, and then there are these. Uh, <laughs> I can only politely describe them as interminable scenes of John Hurt, just like the war doctor enjoying this uh, fruit juice on this one planet and just endless scenes of him just going like, I won't do it, but just like slurping right into the microphone. It's funny. So when he had Eccleston do that at the end with the big Charganzi drink and do it a couple of times, right? funny. I'm listening on headphones going, oh, stop. Nova was speaking for all of us saying, do you really have to do this? That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, do you think that was deliberate callback? I don't know, but that or it's just like he really is into that sound on your headphones. Yeah, maybe. Well, I I was thinking that just Eccleston's original desire or reason for taking on this role was to do the comedy bits, to expand his character, to be less serious, to be more joyful, more comedic. And 
this is kind of slapstick comedy with the with the slurping in an audio format. So maybe this is one of the things when he was talking with a Big Finish saying he wants to try to bring in more comedy, lighten his character a little bit. So maybe this is yeah. one of the ways that they're doing it. So do you think that's something that we're going to see what put him in such a bad mood? Or do you think it's only... Because he didn't seem very unhappy initially, like in Rose. It seemed to progress as he traveled with Billy Piper. Yeah. The, the, more, the more irritated spending time with Rose. <laughs> it's so interesting to listen to it because, you know, like like we were saying, like he, he brought the A game and then some to his performance um, in this set. And it was easy to imagine had he done a second series on television, like he would have taken the character. Hopefully Mm -hmm. I would think in that, in that direction. And so it's not my theory. Um, I'd seen it kind of kicked around, but it's an interesting sort of retcon idea to think that this is coming out of the time war and it's an early stage of grief and just Mm. denial. And I'm just going to lean extra hard into just in kind of forcing myself to be on and kind of, coast through it that way and then when he meets rose rose is the first person to kind of poke and prod a little bit like well what happened to your planet what's Mm -hmm. going on you know Mm. you got to talk to me if we're going to do this and then he finally cracks a little bit and opens up um which fits i don't know if that was intended but i I thought it was a good theory that you know that that made it work that makes sense to me yeah yeah and then I mean, then, you know, seeing a Dalek for the first time. Right, then, exactly. Which, you know, Mm -hmm. brings it all back. Because he is very evasive on, yeah, it doesn't matter what technology this is. They never come out and say it's Gallifrey. Right, doesn't matter. So he's he's trying to avoid it. He's trying to avoid acknowledging it. So that could be that he's in denial of what's going on. Uh, The other idea I had is maybe this is post rose somehow we have the 6b doctor okay or, or the, the, the 2b, 2B doctor, yes, yes season right. 6b um maybe there's something extended bad wolf and i don't know i, I suspect it's right that they're doing everything pre rose right yeah well they could always change their minds depending on how long he wants to do this for mm-hmm who knows? Did you do you read, read that they got, they're actually going to do a six season I six B that, now? Big but finish. That all they gave away was kind of the title, yeah. like the something like after the war games, or it's something like that. It has to be after the war games. Yeah, but, I mean, but that's actually like the name of the yeah. the series. Oh, um, okay. I, I, yeah, something like yeah. that. But so there you go. We've, it's finally going to be canon because I guess Big Finish is canon. The war awards ceremony. <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> ward medal round <laughs> the after game the after party well they've given after range party, exactly. since they've gotten rid of the monthly range or concluded the monthly range now every doctor has their own showrunner effectively big finish showrunner and their own box set yeah and there's gonna be 14 of them yeah this year or uh, again i mean I, I get so many emails from big finish i can't actually remember which seems like a lot to me. I doubt it's a mistake because the Doctor Who market is big enough and everyone has their Doctor that they want to gravitate to. But I really wonder how well like the second Doctor Adventures are going to do or how well the first mm. Doctor Adventures are going to do. I mean, it's kind of it's sort of implying that you know everyone's got their favorite Doctor and you know they're going to follow that Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Because I, I, I really like the monthly range concept where you just do one story a, one story a month or one story every other mm-hmm. month. It's a different doctor. But now it's it's sort of like you have to invest in $20 to get effectively one story. It's a little more of a risk. It's a little bit of a little bit more of putting more chips on the roulette table there to see if you're going to get something that's good or not. They may not have a big enough market, but what I would be thinking about doing if I was running Big Finish is do some kind of Netflix style subscription hmm. thing where you pay a certain amount of money each month and all the Big Finish is available to you. Because I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a linear, you know, I'm a deeply unimaginative linear completist. Um, I find it very, very difficult to drop into things. And even Brian, you, you talking about Klein? I mean, I listen to Cold It's. Um, I have Cold It's on CD, I think. But I would find it hard to get myself involved with that character without having listened to the stuff that's in between the bit that I next listen to. If you see what I mean? Because. Uh, that's just the kind of linear person that I am. And I, I suspect a lot of Doctor Who fans are like me. Yeah, I, I do like the new... I mean, I don't know how many of the sort of box set stories you've checked out. I love the idea of them. But for me personally, if it's kind of an epic story, it doesn't always stick the landing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Very difficult to epic. It really, epic it really is. Epic. And so a set like uh, Dark Eyes... Which for me started out really well. I mean, that first episode is 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 like listening to a movie, and then right. leans harder and harder into sort of the techno babble, and they're they're uh, not time particles, but dark eye particles in that story, and and it's <laughs> kind of a you know shoulder shrugging by the end. But then it went on with dark eyes two, three, and four, and right. then that was their kind of mode for the eighth Doctor. Every new box set series had a big number one on the right. you know, so it's like I'm not gonna. I don't want to feel like I have to commit to 12 to 16 mm-hmm. stories, you know, if I want to get something yeah. complete. So with this new direction, so with this ninth doctor set coming up and now these, uh, each of these sort of classic doctors getting their own, like, I like the self-contained approach. I hope they can, mm. they can work and they'll do a mix, um, sort of like the tenant stuff, which they were box sets, but they were individual yeah. stories. And now with this Dalek universe, now they're trying for him, this extended yeah. series, which um, seems to be going pretty well. I mean, I've read a lot of, not read a lot. I mean, you know, I, it's clear that Dark Eyes is a really amazing story. Um, but you're right. It, I've never listened to it because the expense, because I, I would have to listen to all of it and the expense of listening to all of it and also, and expense is not just money, it's also the 13 plus hours I would have to spend. It kind of puts me off, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I'm real, I, the another one I'm really, really intrigued and would like to start listening to Stranded, but I feel there are things previous to that that I would miss out on that I haven't listened to yet. And, that, and that's a real block to me to start listening to that. With this story, with Ravengers, does it fulfill the epicness? Was it was it big enough? Was the stakes? Did it seem epic enough? And was there enough story there to extend it out for nearly three hours? I think it's two hours and forty minutes. About no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've already said. I mean, I don't like the the epics. I find difficult because, again, Mm -hmm. you know, just agreeing with Brian there. It's very difficult to, after 20 years, 
to come up with another epic that makes as much epic sense as all the other epics have done. Uh, and that that's a problem for me. I prefer the stakes to be smaller and more interesting than, you know, the universe is in danger. I think, you know, obviously it's fun to have Dan Starkey and his friends be Romans and stuff. Um, it was fun listening to Starkey mm. talking about his love of Latin, which I thought was amusing. But, you know, did we need them? I guess we needed some kind of you know, indication of the time eddies. So I don't know. It felt stretched to me, especially, again, David, as you and I were talking last week, hmm. you know, the middle chunk, which was like, don't know what's going on. Throwing everything yeah, at you. Yeah, every, everything but the kitchen sink. Everything but the, everything including the T10s. <laughs> the T10, right. thrown at me. Do you have a preference, Brian? Do, do you prefer the self-container? Do you like the longer sequences? That, I mean, I was thinking about that because I w- when the first Tenet box set came out, I was so excited and I devoured those stories and I really enjoyed them, especially Death and the Queen, which is an all-time classic for me. It's such a great story. Mm-hmm. But as that series went on, I started to get less excited about them because they felt, for lack of a better word, very safe because they had to fit within a certain era and they had to comply with whatever the license restrictions are as to how far you can tell a story and all of that, Mm -hmm. uh, things you can and can't do. So I, and I don't mean it as a slight at all. It's just me as a listener, you know, like they were all well-performed, well-written, well-produced, all of that, Mm -hmm. but they started to feel a bit, uh, samey after a while, just kind of hovering Mm -hmm. in the same space. So when I got to Ravagers, like I said, like I really, applauded i I love the ambition and the idea like let's try something different let's not try to be the television show it's more like a extended uh comic book arc you know let's just kind of have some fun and throw a whole bunch of stuff at it Mm -hmm. and and there's so much as we were saying there's a lot of hand waving as to you know well this just happened and this kind of worked out i found it interesting when i listened to your your last episode uh cat about cataclysm Mm -hmm. And I think you guys spent more time talking about the tank treads and how that would or would not work in Waterloo <laughs> than the fact that in the story, they watch the universe end and barely escape. <laughs> and that should be a really crazy, exciting moment. Right. And they're outrunning the end of everything. But it's like, like you said, like if it happens every other episode or like the end, the, the end of the universe is boring, <laughs> right, uh, Ben? So, yeah, yeah. I... I don't know if that's answering the question, but maybe maybe some I I like the box set idea. I don't know if that worked here as well. If you swapped Eccleston out for any other doctor in this story, it would have been very average for me. But like yeah. I said in the beginning, like he really raised the bar here. Yeah. I don't think these stories work very long as standalone. Uh, I think if next time I listen to it, it'll be a, more of a start from the beginning, go through the end, because individual episodes aren't individual stories. This is really a three-part story called The Ravengers with chapter titles rather than three episodes of Doctor Who. Right. I think that comparison you made with the comic book epic makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Uh, and I'm actually thinking about it now. You know, you think about those kind of you know, Marvel movies where everything is going on at the same time and the universe is going to be destroyed I, I can't stand those films because it's, it's you know... Right. And actually, what, what, what's good... The only thing that's good about those Marvel films, and I only watch them when I'm on aeroplanes, which I, you know, I'm actually I'm not on aeroplanes very much at the moment. What, what makes those movies work is actually the characters. 
the whole kind of, you know, glove of doom or whatever it is um, that they're all trying to get hold of is just really goes, really starts to, you know, and then the kind of the effects climax where, you know, everyone is fighting each other with kind of lightning bolts and there's lightning and then there's more lightning bolts and then a bit more lightning. Um, that that That's actually what this felt like to me. Uh, and that may actually, I don't know whether that's something that people like nowadays. It's not something I hugely enjoy. Um, I like the kind of character stuff at the end where, you know, everything's back to normal. And you and the doctor is enjoying a Slurpee um, at the <laughs> right. cafe. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> um, big gulp. Um, he's, <laughs> he's enjoying some juice again, like he did during the time war. I'm gonna oh, have to God. listen to those now. That sounds very intriguing. I'm, I'm now excited about the idea that, that Nick Briggs is some kind of like, ooh, I love making actors make that sound. Yeah, like a weird, uh, a weird ASMR kind of. Exactly. <laughs> You record them all individually, <laughs> home with him, and then right. listen to them. Yeah. We're, we're on to your secret, Nick. Um, um, Do you think it's the yeah, contemporary so, audience that's driving the the big finish, the epicness? I've no idea. I've no idea. But I said I, I'm only. I mean, all I'm doing is you saying what I and I don't enjoy that kind of comic book epic because um, I don't actually enjoy those kind of comic books. To be honest, it's it's something that I just don't enjoy per se. Um, period which is just me it doesn't mean it's no good it's just something that I don't particularly enjoy that much um, because my feeling is you should try and you've got to ration out the end of the universe because if the universe is at stake every week it's like well hmm. is it it becomes mundane yeah which even the the series post 2005 that that kind of happened right so every season it was like it's the end of totally the did right the end of the world that like by the end of RTD's time, it was like the end of like the Daleks wanted to detonate a reality bomb. Like yeah. reality was going to like, it just got bigger and bigger. <laughs> I started to find that amusing with RTD. It's like, okay, now it's the whole unit. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, there is a, like, it's an almost kind of laughable progression of, 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 of kind of diminishing returns. I sort of get really irritated with it during Moffat because it was then, the destruction was kind of based around kind of time paradoxes, things which I just find confusing and therefore not very, not very full, um, fulfilling. But I mean, I think that's the thing with RTD in general. I mean, I, I really enjoyed, um, though we're getting off topic here, you know, I really enjoyed, um, oh God, what was his apocalyptic series he did last year? I can't remember. Oh, about the, uh, the AIDS crisis? No, no, the one before uh, that. RTD or? Oh, yeah. Um, apocalyptic. Yeah. Oh, Anyway, um, the world the world basically comes to an end. Only it doesn't, um, and he kind of hand waves a little bit, um, and everything's fine because someone invented an AI who puts everything to right. And I think that's a that's a fun thing with RTD. Like he kind of you know ramps up the stakes, and then oh, I can't work out how this is going to finish. So I'll just kind of bah, it's done now. So, any any final thoughts on Ravengers since we're kind of drifting drifting away from <laughs> the box set here? We are. Years and years. Years and years, yeah. Um, for me and Ravagers, I, I think it's really all down to, to Eccleston. I agree with what you were saying, David. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it worked necessarily in the episodic form, but just maybe like chapters of a, of a longer story worked that way. But I, I will admit I, I was getting bored with it as it went on because it just, it, you know, like you've been, it kind of washed over me, but then... As I was mentioning earlier, there wasn't anything really to kind of grab onto 
besides the character mm-hmm. of the ninth doctor and, and nova to an extent to to kind of connect with and enjoy um so i felt a little disappointed at the end then i watched that uh phenomenal trailer that big finish had done kind of echoing the trip of the lifetime trailer yeah yeah uh mm-hmm. and then i heard the new one new trailer they put out for respond to all calls and i got excited about it all over again so <laughs> <laughs> they're doing something they're doing right, something right yeah. they want so us did, to listen to the next time so, yeah i'm i'm curious to know if somebody who wasn't otherwise familiar with big finish picked this up and if they could make sense of it because it's it's a lot of noise you know like a lot of kind of big set it pieces is. in it if you're not sort of used to that and how to kind of filter or process that, I, I wonder if it would just be too confusing. But anyway, that was that was me. How about you guys? Big Finish do great trailers. I, I like you. I am excited <laughs> for the rest of it. Whether it will actually be as exciting as the trailer is implying, um, I don't know. Um, so, so do you think Big Finish needs to cut down the story length? They go down to a three-minute story length and <laughs> three <minutes> story. <laughs> pack everything. Three-minute theater. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Maybe a little short. But I think in Modern Who, especially, where the stakes are always ramped up to 11, where the, it's the universe ending or right. Gallifrey being totally destroyed or Earth being moved across the universe. It's, it's always <laughs> yeah. something really big. And I'm, I like the stories where it's just something small. Yeah. I, I go back to like the Ray Bradbury story, The Sound of Thunder, where it just is stepping on a butterfly which causes them to go back in time and find themselves in a dictatorship i would like stories that are a little more short story rather than novel length or epic movie length and i prefer the doctor preventing the butterfly from being stepped on than trying to weave back together all of time but maybe that's trying to have my you know have my epicness but keep it in a small english village I don't know. No, I, I love that. There's one of my favorite big finish stories. It's a quiet little story and it's you can get it for free on their SoundCloud mm-hmm. page. It's called Urgent Calls and it's with uh the sixth doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those short stories. So it's it's only like a single episode, mm-hmm. like barely thirty minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of phone calls between the sixth doctor and this random woman, and this story unfolds about this illness that is kind of circulating and the two of them have to kind of work together mm-hmm. and it's such a quiet intimate piece and i think that would be perfect like a, it's like if you're going to do something different but do something right to your point like small scale mm. like that's like, like um that to me takes advantage of the medium in a really different way like really bring like i listened to that story on uh, headphones and was captivated because um even just the effect of you're listening to someone's phone right. calls right so it's it really pulls you in I think there's there's room for that, and I would hope they they try to explore some of that stuff as well. And I think he'd really um, elevate stuff like that too. Yeah. It'd be really special to listen to. He's such a fantastic actor that he will always deliver on the material that Big Finish yeah. presents for him. So it's really incumbent on yeah. Big Finish to bring the highest caliber material that they can find for him to allow Eccleston to reach even higher heights, basically. <laughs> can't can't solely rely mm-hmm. on the lead to make everything yeah. perfect he is one of the very best actors to play the role if not the best um the most skilled the most accomplished the most um anyway I, that it's and that it implies i i don't think the other actors are i think they are but um you know he's the maybe the most serious 
the most committed to being an actor, possibly. Um, maybe only Troughton, I think. Uh, I would have said that both he and Troughton, to me, are the are the kind of, you know, top tier of actors. Right. Um, who, who played the role. Um, I mean, I suppose John Hurt as well. But I mean, John Hurt had years and years of being an amazing actor and just doing fantastic stuff. David Warner, I guess, if he's counting him as a doctor. Well, I guess everyone's a doctor now, so... Um, uh, so I, I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited to see them, Brian, as you said, to do different styles of storytelling with him because he'll be able to nail it. Uh, and they should they should really test him and they should really stretch him because um, I think he responds well to that. So hopefully we'll see that in August or a little, a little different stories with the self-contained we'll ones. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is the Brigadier in August or is that down the road? Don't know. Oh, okay. Because I know that... that because John Colshaw has yeah. now been the brigadier yeah. for a number of stories, so I know. Yeah, that yeah. He... I think. You know, I think. Yes, it's, it's it's good. I'm I'm probably going to be listening to most of these. Excellent. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, I think that's a good place yeah. to put it. Big Finish has us hooked, at least for the yeah. second set of stories <laughs> yeah. coming out. Ah. <laughs> the hook has been set. So, right. uh, thank you, Brian, for coming on and chatting with us, sh- sharing your. Thanks for having me. Thoughts? You have anything you want to plug? Uh, not at the moment. No, I'm just uh, I'm just this guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just this guy, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 188 of the Metabulous Two podcast. I have been David. Um, I am have also been Ben. And last time I checked, I am Brian. Excellent. Fantastic. Goodbye. <laughs> Cheers. From Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who The Ninth Doctor Adventures Volume 2 Excuse me Hello We do have a tradesman's entrance I thought I'd try the front door for once It's echoing echoing. Not quite It's drawn to sound Ben pulls it along in its wake Stay absolutely still And that's our cue Run Can I see your identification? Absolutely. There you go. Who am I? Detective Superintendent John Smith. Yes, I am. Hello, hello, hello. What's all this then? You're a hotel inspector, but I thought... I can't argue with the paperwork. Every town has a house like this. A house that children whisper about around campfires. A house that people hurry past. A haunted house. I don't know who that am. You worried whatever happened to the Andersons is going to happen to you? Who are the Andersons? I don't... I don't know what happened to them. These are the minutes of the dead. I feel... What do you feel? Scared. In a way I haven't felt since... Since a very long time. It arrives. As forecast, the resurgence... It arrives... Has the incursant named itself? The Doctor. Repeat that immediately. The Doctor. Something's coming. Something terrifying. Big finish. We love stories.